Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. And you're in the transporter room this week. A mom who wrote a letter that still, more than a week later, is one of our most popular stories at Outsports.com. The letter is to her three-year-old daughter. It's for when the day comes that she competes against a transgender girl. This is a letter that if you haven't read, we're gonna share parts of it. And we're gonna talk to the mom who wrote it. That's coming up. But currently, today's a great day for Outsports. We're introducing and announcing the Triumph Awards. Another great Don Ennis idea, and it's coming <laughs> to fruition. I'm looking forward to it because the, this is, it, it's always good when we tell our stories. It's always good when we tell these stories, and it's also good when we give people their flowers while they're still here and still active in the continuing fight. So I agree. I'm looking you know, forward to giving these awards out. And you're going to be writing one of those stories, so I'm excited to have that story posted on Outsports.com. Let me explain. The Outsports Triumph Awards single out trans people in the LGBTQ sports community and those working on behalf of trans athletes for their achievements, their ability to inspire, and their hard work, which not only helps the trans community, but contributes positively to the world of LGBTQ sports. These awards focus on unknowns. But today, as we introduce these awards, we're also paying respect to a number of trans sports icons who everyone should know and respect. Chris Mosier, Charlie Martin, Laisha Clarendon, Quinn, so many, many, many more. A budding icon had a great weekend over the weekend. Um, remember, um, remember last year we told you the story of Valentina Patrillo, Paralympic sprinter from Italy, transgender woman, over the weekend at a Paralympics competition in Italy, she set a new national record at 200 meters. And she was flying 27.17, continuing the march toward the Paralympics, coronavirus permitting later this year in Tokyo, Japan. But I do want to take the Italian governing body for Paralympic sports to task for one thing. When you write the release announcing the results and you announce that this brilliant athlete set this record, misgendering is a clown move. Would you stop misgendering Ms. Patrio, please? I mean, it's Just really once? obvious. She, her, hers. That's yeah. all you have to say. And in Italian, you're translated. <laughs> Quit misgendering our bambina, okay? Yeah, right. Stop it. And Basta. what are we... What a week it's been for trans athletes with the state houses continuing to put out legislation that is just so annoying. But here's the bright side of that. So many cisgender straight allies have stood up in defense and said, you can't put these laws in place. You don't need to save women. They don't need saving. If anything, Women need the same weight room men get. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I mean, halo double O, hello, NCAA. And, but you see that, and, and speaking of NCAA, I want to send a shout out to the more than 500 athletes who signed a statement saying, who signed a statement saying, 
if if you want to put these bills up, fine. We're just going to withhold our championships from you. We shouldn't be going to. We shouldn't be having NCAA championships in states that discriminate. I right, like the fact like? that these young that young athletes led the led this battle. Young student athletes went out front and said, "We're sticking up for our sports. We're sticking up for our peers, and we're sticking up for ourselves." Carly, what was it like last week when you had to watch and listen to all the hate on Capitol Hill when the Equality Act was being debated? I listened to some of it, but I had to go teach. And you sat there and you endured it so you could write the story. What was that like for you? At one level, it was somewhat maddening. But at another level, it's like, you know what? Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. I mean, Abigail Liar. Ooh, Schreier. <laughs> You know what you're getting with <laughs> Abigail Schreier. You know what you're getting with this person. It's not surprising. But I will say the young lady from Washington State gave a lot of gravitas to what you heard, to what Stella. you were seeing that day. I love Stella. Stella did a great job. And I can tell you right now, Stella, open invitation. Open invitation. We want to get you on the show to talk bowling. So come on. Hey, if you got time. We've got, if you've got time, we've got a seat. Come on in. We will do that. But first, let's talk to Kendra Stansberry. Kendra, we're setting coordinates for your location. Carly, beam her on up. Energize. Welcome to the transporter room, Kendra. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I bet you've never been beamed up before. No, but I. I, you asked earlier, and I, I was a very big Star Trek fan because my mother was a giant Next Generation fan. So I watched it every night after swim practice in Woo! high school. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome to the Transporter Room. Thank you. You're a writer. You're a mom of two. And you reached out to us to say, I want to publish a letter that I wrote <laughs> to my daughter. What was the impetus for you writing that letter to your daughter? Um. Well, as you know, it's been around the media a little bit and, um, you know, it would brought up to me by somebody close to me, you know, what would you do if you were in this case? And it was framed as like a negative thing. You know, if uh, my daughter was in competition and lost out on a scholarship to um, a transgender girl and and it was framed in a way that made me really think like, oh, well, maybe that's unfair. So. I thought about it. And the more I thought about it, the more convicted I was in my beliefs that this transgender girl should be treated like a girl. And that made me quite emotional and angry about um, me or about possibly trying to take that from her, that accomplishment. So um, what would I say to my daughter if she was in that position? And so I sat down and I wrote what I would what I would tell her. Um, but it's all tied up in, if you read the first part of my article, a whole bunch of other societal things, right? So it's not just that um, girls aren't being treated as girls. It's a whole bunch of other stuff, if, as you know. Um, and so I got it all out. <laughs> and, uh, and for the most part, it's been... I've only gotten positive feedback. Um, I don't think that those who would give me negative feedback have done so, even if they, they might be thinking it. Um, but I'm 
I'm ready for whatever. I had somebody very kindly send a message over Instagram. And if that was the only message I got, it was from a transgender um, person who said that they, they gave me a very long, um, you know, thank you for being supportive. But if that was the only message I got, it, it would have been worth writing the article because it was, it was so good to hear that it had that effect on that person. Basically, they were saying somebody without skin in the game, quote unquote, is what they said, like me, standing up for them was super important. So hearing that, it just validates that it's okay for, for me to speak, as long as I'm speaking to people like um, in the community, uh, which is why I approached you guys and not, you know, some other outlet, then I think it's okay for me to uh, voice my support. And I hope you guys agree with that. Well, the, well, support was greatly needed, but. And, and we do agree. <laughs> and, but what was going through your mind as you wrote it? Kind of what, what were some of the emotions that were coming up for you as you wrote this? Because I mean, this is, this is something any, any of this at one level, reading some of the things I read. And by the way, for me, it emoted a very emotional response for me as an athlete and as a, and as a person who coaches young kids, this, I mean, there's a lot of heart into this. There's a lot. I mean, you could tell a mom wrote it. What was going through your mind as you wrote it? Well, I'll have to put myself back there a little bit, but I was, I was also emotional writing it. Um, I was having, you know, my, my kids are in a position, a very good position. I don't know what struggles they will face in the future, but they're in a pretty privileged position as it is. And I could not help but put myself in the shoes of the parent with a transgender youth who, instead of celebrating completely and unabashedly a championship, they have to defend it. And that to me is just so devastating and emotions that it felt like I had to impart. It feels like I would have to impart on my daughter who lost that championship that we need to celebrate the champion, that we need to show everybody that she is worth celebrating and that she is not less than in any way of a girl than you. And we need to, we need to make sure everybody knows that. So we can't just stand by and lose. We have to lose and also be vocal about being okay with the loss, which is a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing. That's a hard concept for, you know, you want to be mad and you want to grieve and I'm going to be there while you grieve and be angry about it. But also we have an extra responsibility here to make sure everybody knows, yeah, we're upset that we lost, but we're not upset because of the person we lost to or who they are. Kendra, I have to share with our readers the part of your article that is the letter. Dear daughter, I am so sorry. This loss is so disappointing. You work incredibly hard and you are undeniably amazing. There are a few important things I want you to remember about today. Number one, you will hear people say things about the champion. 
that she doesn't deserve it, that she's not a girl and worse. She is as much a girl as you are, but to be recognized as one has been a struggle we can never fully understand. We will support and fight for her right to do everything other girls do. Number two, she is very strong. She is very good and she has worked extremely hard. Others have worked just as hard and haven't done as well as her or you. We take what we have been given and do the best we can with it. Striving to be best is integral in sports. She is a girl and she was the best this time. She should never have an asterisk next to her name. Number three, a trophy, a title, or scholarship will not make you a good or better person. You already are a good person. What makes you a good and better person is your kindness, your strength in standing up for those who need it, and your gratefulness and awareness of all the amazing things you have in your life and the amazing person that you already are. Number four, from our greatest disappointments and losses can come our greatest opportunities. This experience will give you a voice. You can decide how you want to use it. You can choose to tear someone down or lift someone up. Number five, the last point. Supporting trans girls is supporting girls. I love you and support you fully and completely. I am so proud of you. We will grieve this loss and then we'll rise to show our strength and kindness. Love, mom. I'm surrounded by moms on this show. Uh, I'm in tears. <laughs> I, don't, uh... I felt the same reading it. The first time I read it, it put me in tears in tears as well. I mean, that number five. Kendra, how do you feel about the backlash you'd get for a state for that statement? Supporting trans girls or supporting girls, especially when you have when you have a whole stampede of people saying trans girls are not girls. So how would I feel about the backlash? Yes. What would you say to that backlash? And I think you're lucky that you haven't experienced it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I'm not exactly sure what I would say. I think that there's a huge gap in understanding. And I would probably, you know, part of me wants to say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep repeating it over and over ad nauseum. But I probably would try to approach it with a bit more nuance because I think that as far as transgender has come, we're still at the very beginning of the acceptance and understanding, unfortunately. And there's a huge gap in understanding and there's exposure, education. There's just, there's so many things that, you know, I don't think it's all bigotry. I think it's, I think it's some loud voices and people following what those loud voices are saying. And there needs to be more of an open bridge to communities that can help. And so I don't know exactly what I would say, but I hope I could approach it with some 
nuance and accepting that people believe things out of fear and we need to approach them with the same kindness that I'm saying we should approach this issue. Kendra, what's your connection and your family's connection to school sports? Were you an athlete? Uh, are you raising your son to be an athlete? Um, uh, yes, I was an athlete my whole life. My, my parents were college athletes. They both coached sports all throughout my life. They're retired now, but they both coached. They both taught in schools. My mother was an adjustment counselor who, did, who led the um, Gay-Straight Alliance at our high school. So there's my connection to an understanding of the community. Um, she was the softball coach for many, many years, started the Youth Softball League in our hometown. Um, so a lot of sports connections. Um, my son is maybe starting in sports. If he, we're going to give him, I signed him up for soccer. He's five. So, I mean, whatever, <laughs> we're, we're, bail, we're a bit more lax about it. We're like, okay, do you want yeah, to do it? Okay. Then we'll push you exactly. You know? Yeah. You know, yeah. It. So but my see, husband and I are both your husband, as well. Your husband's an athlete. Too. Yeah. See, here's the thing though. Most of the people who are opposed to transgender athletes in school sports have never been interested in women's sports at all or girls' sports. Right. That's the amazing thing to me is this is when they choose to stand up. I bet they can't name two WNBA players. <laughs> right. Yes. There's a lot of complexity. And that's maybe the first half of my letter. It's like, what, what are we doing? Are we, are, do you now want to support women's sports? Okay, so let's start there. There's a whole bunch of things you can do first to show your support of women's sports, then keep people out of women's sports who should be there in the first place. So yeah, there's this huge, you know, it, it just points to all of the things that, that I wrote about in the first part, which misogyny, patriarchy, you know, all of the things that are just like not helpful for women's sports. So let us tell you, let trans people tell you what we need in women's sports. And then you can give us your support if that's what you want to do. But that's not what they're doing. It doesn't seem like. In what ways in, did your own experience in sports kind of shape this view? You were a competitive swimmer and also you were a competitive swimmer at the collegiate level. How soccer, did some of those actually, in college. Okay, you were, all right, you played soccer in college rather. How did those things and those experiences kind of play into what you wrote here? How have they shaped your view of the of some of these issues? Well, so one of my best experiences in sports was the swim team I was on as a youth. Um, we were a family, first and foremost, and a friend of mine commented on my story who was from that, that team and said, you know, sarcastically, oh yeah, I don't remember all the friendships I made and and relationships I formed. I just remember all the blue ribbons that I got. So ultimately the point is youth sports is giving us so much value and um, life affirming things by participating in them. And to keep children away from that because of the gender they're identifying with is, is going to cause more harm, much more harm than just letting them play because 99 point whatever percent are going to not go on to, to do this. Well, maybe less, maybe more will collegiately, but professionally or whatever, they're just 
doing it to form that relationship with sports and relationship with their peers that will help them with their mental health in the future. Following up to that, talking about youth sports, part of this is driven by people who are worried about, well, my daughter will be denied opportunities. My daughter will be denied a scholarship. How do you, how do you feel the whole, do you think that the whole, that the whole race for the scholarship in youth sports has gone a little bit too far? Um, yes. <laughs> um, Listen, scholarships are amazing if you can get one. Most kids don't get one. So if there's, but the thing is, there's advantages that people have. So um, what economic place are you in? You're going to be able to get a private coach. You're going to be able to be better for all of these other reasons. There's a whole host of reasons you might be placed in a position of being able to get a scholarship over other kids. The fight is not to keep transgender kids away from those scholarships. There's, there's way more kids who have advantages for other reasons. And the transgender kids are not having advantages that supersede the advantages of somebody in say an economic position who's able to give their kid like private lessons from the age of five. And And yeah, and I'll go so far to say that in sports advantage is important, but it's whether it's disqualifying, right? Whether an advantage in strength or ability or endurance I mean, for some athletes, being a larger, stronger athlete is actually a hindrance. You know, like Cece Telfer is a NCAA All-American. Because of her um, body, she may not be able to jump the hurdles as easily as uh, a, a person who was assigned a female at birth. I mean, there are pluses and negatives to being trans, and they aren't always translating into um, success. Correct. For the most part, they aren't. There's very few exceptions that are getting pointed to as, as like some fear mongering thing as if it's a bad thing, but like, congratulations to those people who used what they have been given to succeed. Right. I I will say as a mom of two college uh, students, I love scholarships and I'm very grateful (laughs) as someone who has to work seven part-time jobs to be able to, um, keep them in school that they have scholarships. So I'm not going to knock scholarships, but I, I do yeah. get the point you two are making. It's, it's really, it, it's a shame well, because it, it's like they're putting a, a taint on it. Go ahead, Kendra. No, I was going to say, to be fair, I would, I had no scholarships for my collegiate experiment experience. I walked on, played division one soccer, benched it pretty much my entire career, which is fine, but it does, it, it, you know, I was the workhorse. I was the, the one that made everybody work hard in practice and, you know, whatever. We don't need to get into that. The point is, using that experience, you take what you're given, as I said in the letter, and you, you, you use it. And what I was given was a lot of endurance, a lot of work ethic, and without a scholarship, got to where I needed to go. So is a scholarship everything? No, it's clearly not. Because you can, if you if you have the willpower and the ability and the opportunity to go to college, you can you can get to where you want to go. Now, that's not to say, you know, I had to take out student loans, and there's a financial thing here that we could discuss. So, scholarships <laughs> are obviously sure. needed for people who are at an economic disadvantage. But this all this this the point is 
there's so many things involved in, in these opportunities that you can't just pinpoint one thing and say, this is ruining women's sports. It's or ridiculous. destroying it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, one bench just sounds, to another. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds when you, yeah, when you, yeah, when I sat down and think about it, it was absurd. <laughs> so I had to write about it. Well, one bench warmer to another. We made the other players better through our yeah. determination. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I think that um, every kid on that team that I played on knew that they were a better athlete because they had me to look at. <laughs> I'm with oh, you. Come on, Don. It wasn't that bad now. Um, yes, it was. I want to ask you. I want to ask you a Star Trek question before we uh, have to beam you back. Oh no! And when okay. we come back, I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite Star Trek memory? We'll be right back in the transporter room. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, along with Don Innes. Kendra Stansbury is the guest today. And uh, Kendra, before we before we start the show, you you talked about that. Hey, you're you're a little bit of a trekker. Next year, Star Trek: <laughs> The Next Generation. Next Generation fandom in there. Watched it watched it every night, along with the mom who was very much into the show. So I want to know favorite Star Trek memory. Okay, um, let's see. There was a, uh, somebody will have to remind me of what the episode is. I'm super, super fan. Trust the Next me, Generation Dawn, had. Dawn is about yeah, as super okay, fan okay. as you get. <laughs> okay, Dawn, there was this Next Generation episode that was super trippy, and they kept traveling to like, their, their ship kept taking them to like some other part of the universe over and over again they got so far away that they had never been to that area of the universe before you know traveler. what i'm talking about <laughs> yes okay the traveler Thank you. yes yes i remember that still to this day because i thought it was so cool and just like uh something that i'd want to do so yeah no one where no one has gone before yes Thank great you. episode and I'm uh, a big uh live long and prosper to you and your mom <laughs> and i'm hoping that with um Lower Decks, maybe you'll introduce your kids or Prodigy is coming out. It's supposed to be a kid's Star Trek show since they're very young. Mm -hmm. maybe it's a better introduction to Star Trek. But let me just say thank you. Thank you to um, both you and your husband for being affirming and for reaching out to us and for sharing your story with us. I wish I had a mom like you when I was growing up. And your kids are very, very lucky. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on here and for allowing me to post on your website. Thank you for putting that letter out there and putting a parent's view out there and in a sense, adding perspective to the discussion. Thank you. Kendra, stand by to beam back home. Carly, energize. Energize, beam Bye, back. Guys. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you. Take care. Oh, I knew she'd be a great guest. I'm so happy we were able to talk with her. And coming from a different direction, not so much as a parent, but as someone who cares about sports and who's co and who coaches kids, um, that letter puts in perspective what it's really about. Yeah, that that letter talks about what it's really about because every line, every line struck me because that is something that is something that I would say 
to an athlete in that situation. That's something my late father would have said. That is something my late father would have, this is something my late dad, who was, who was my coach, would have said. And this is something I hope people read and I hope people take in that word perspective. Because I think, I think this whole, this issue, especially what we've seen in the last week, People really need some perspective as to at one level what sports should be about, at another level what equity and fairness really means, i.e. what you're seeing with the, with the basketball situation in the weight rooms, weight room discrepancy between the men's, turn, the men's bubble tournament in Indianapolis and the women doing their NCAA bubble in San Antonio. That's... That's the perspective. Those are the perspectives we really need to be looking at. And I and I look at the people like the Abigail Schreiers of the world. I look at all these different politicians. I look at people like Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz who are demagoguing this because they want to run in 2024. And I look at them and say, no, you guys are you're all missing the plot here. Yeah. And I feel That's, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Perspective. No, you're saying you feel terrible. I feel terrible that most people miss the point that this is really about misogyny. The yes, locker rooms in the NCAA is about misogyny. The fact that trans women don't want to be men, don't want to be pretending to be men, don't want to be living as boys because they're not boys, because we're not men. The reaction to that is, well, there must be a negative because why would you not want to be a man? Isn't being a man the best thing in the world? Aren't men the best at everything? No, they're not. Yeah. I've said often, Don, you've heard me say this ad nauseum infinitum that that these transphobes on this issue, and that's who they are, let's just call them what they are, believe two things, and both of them are false. That one, transgender women are not women, and number two, cisgender women are inept at sports. Again, both of those are false, but that's what they're trying to sell you to try and make this case. It's, I mean, it's miso- at one level, it's misogyny, chauvinism, femphobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot. I mean, people don't want to talk about that word, but it's oh, a yeah. word we need to be talking about. Yeah. And- so let's let's dive back into sci-fi. We uh, we just had the Snyder cut on HBO Max, and right after it, or right the same night, actually, I should say, Disney put out the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Did you watch? And what did you think? Watched them both. Um, the, the Snyder cut is too long. <laughs> the Snyder cut is a 1980s era television miniseries. It's not a movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a two night television event. Maybe three And, nights. and it, but it, but it also shows once again, when it comes to, when it comes to the weekly, when it comes to that weekly television show, DC has, does that well. Oh yeah. DC does that really well. I mean, look at, Look at Superman and Lois. Look at look at Black Lightning. Look at look at look at the entire Bat saga. Woman. Yes, look Supergirl. at oh, look at Batwoman, which is which is I've recently gotten back into Batwoman and you know, butt, yeah. it was yeah, it's it, it's still an awesome show even with the cast change. Yeah. Still awesome. Yeah. Whereas Marvel is doing the move Marvel's doing the movies. And Marvel, I, I, but also, they're starting to get the serial, and they're getting their serials right. Well, WandaVision and, yeah, and oh. this new thing. I, I, I know it was a little bit slow in plotting, but I think it's a lot of exposition. And I really did think that, unlike the movies, 
the Falcon and the Winter Soldier really gave a lot more time to character development than we've ever seen mm-hmm. before for either of these great actors and these great characters. So I'm in. I'm, I'm going to I haven't watched WandaVision yet. I know I'm behind, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with Falcon and the, uh, and the Winter Soldier and see where this goes. Um, I do not want to see another version of the Snyder Cut. They're talking about issuing a black and white version. Just and a lot of people want to see an edited version of the Snyder Cut, a cut version of the Snyder Cut. I, you know, there, there's talk about other movies he might have made or may make. I will say one thing about the Justice League uh, Snyder Cut that I really want to make clear. Henry Cavill sold me this time as Superman. I wasn't with him for Man of Steel. I didn't really think much of him in Dawn of Justice. But I thought for the first time I really saw him as Superman and I really bought into it because Christopher Reeve has always been my Superman. And I, I didn't, I didn't really um, like how he played Superman before, but I think this time he sold me and I'm hoping Warner brothers uh, keeps him in the role, but there's been talk that he won't be. Well, I, who else, here's my question. Who else are you really going to get one? Yeah. And then more so where's my, where's my remake where is my Green Lantern movie? It's That's coming. what I want. Where's oh, mine? It's coming. They say it's in the it's in the pipeline. And who and who's gonna play G? And which GL will it be? And who's gonna play him? Because it's gonna be John, it's gonna be John. It'll oh, be please. John Stewart. But the question is, who will play John Stewart? I don't know. I mean, please just give it to the person who's been lobbying to the role for five years. Let Tyrese play John Stewart. Wouldn't that be great? The studio's balking on it, but let him do it. But it just shows once again, DC, DC with the movies, they still, I mean, they just can't seem to put these things together. And it's sad because from an app, from animated movies, DC does, has done some excellent animated long form work with the Justice League. I've recently picked up one of my favorites again over the weekend. And it was, and I'm thinking, I was thinking two things. One, I really enjoyed this because it's based on one of my favorite DC graphic novels. And two, if they did a live action movie version of this, they find a way to mess it up. I mean, I I was watching Superman Red Sun over the weekend and the animated version was so good. It had the it had the beautiful the beauty of the graphic novel was in there. And I'm thinking like, please don't make a live action version of this. You'll only mess it up. Only mess it up. So true. And the other news that's out there is Strange New Worlds has a cast and they're working on it. And I've written a piece. Uh, it's coming soon to Star Trek.com about the fact that we still don't have a trans woman Star Trek character and we need one. And I'm hoping Star Trek listens and let's find a, a space. There's lots of space in space for a trans woman character. We just want one, just one. All right. Well, here's a question for you, Dawn. Okay, if you could start a Star Trek show from scratch, you need a trans, and you want to put a trans woman character, who would your actress be? What would their character, and what would their character be? Well, it's got to be Nicole Maines. Nicole Maines would be my Star Trek character in the next version of Star Trek, who's transgender, out and proud. I like that, but you know what? I, I I like that idea, but you know what, Nicole is Neonol. I keep her there. <laughs> I mean, I'd like. Here's my. Yeah, thought. but the show's getting canceled. This is the last season. So. I know, but so no, that wouldn't be a bad move. Like me, I have a thought. Actually, I'm. I wouldn't mind 
I wouldn't mind seeing an entire starship, a starship <laughs> that is that that has main that has like bridge level personnel that are all trans women, like like the intrepid. You can have you can have Nicole May. You can have like Nicole May. If that's all like, trans, <laughs> be like the no. Imagine this. No, no. Hear me out. Okay. Jen Richards. Jen Richards cat as a captain. Mm-hmm. Fallon Fox, director of security. I can mean, we put somebody. Caitlyn Jenner, some, Jenner in charge. No, uh, uh, the, the mess hall. <laughs> no, Caitlyn Jenner will be a Romulan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe a Klingon with a the bumpy. No, head. I don't know about Klingon. No, I wouldn't do her like that. Not Klingon. No, <laughs> he needs a more debonair villainous Romulan. Yeah, but Romulans Romulan. have the big padded shoulders, so that's perfect. <laughs> I am. I mean, you could have somebody like. I mean, I mean, I I say ship's engineer getting somebody like. I mean. I mean, even getting somebody from outside, like the entertainment orbit, getting somebody like a Raquel Willis to be the geese ships engineer, for example. Um, you know what? You know what? Carly Chardonnay Webb is like, you know, Star Starfleet fighter pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. I'll I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I, will, I will go on a I will go on a limb and we'll hire Gina Carano to be a uh, a villain and we'll kill her in the first five minutes. <laughs> No, actually, no. Gina Carano, let's let's do something. No, let's do something fun. Let's make her like you know uh, a new a new way a new style version of Hardcore Fenton Mud. You know, <laughs> some something like that. And sure, sure. I mean, I could. Then you need some. You need a cue. You need it. You need a, a trans cue. cue. Yeah, you need a cue. Like yeah. I'd say, who could be? Who would be a good um, debonair cue? I mean. We need, I, I think we get somebody from outside. Like, like in this case, I think we call an audible. We get, I think Chris Mosier would be a good cue. I say Alexandra Billings. All right. She's on the Connors right now. I'd like to see her. Um, I'd say Chris Mosier. How about Chris Mosier goes to uh, the people who brought peace to the Klingons and. and that wouldn't be a bad move. That wouldn't yeah, be see, an all trans an all trans trans track. Or the Organians, that's what they are. Yeah, the Organians. That'd be very cool. So, listen, it's time for us to say goodbye. I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Transporter Room. I hope that you'll be back next week when we have a roller derby advocate, ally, and just a great voice for trans inclusion. See you next week, Carly. Live long and prosper. Steady as she goes, everyone. See you next week.